0: You're listening to a Women's History Association of Ireland podcast. In this podcast, a paper from Besieged Bodies, Gendered Violence, Sexualities and Motherhood, the Women's History Association of Ireland's annual conference for 2020 2021. This online conference took place on four Fridays in March 2021 and was supported by the UCD Decade of Centenaries Fund, the UCD School of History, the UCD School of Gender Studies, UCD Centre for Gender, Feminisms and Sexualities and the UCD College of Arts and Humanities Fund. This podcast is produced in association with History Hub. To listen to other papers and conference keynotes, go to historyhub.ie. The WHAI conference was organised by Dr. Mary McAuliffe from UCD Gender Studies and Dr. Finola Walsh from UCD School of History. This podcast features a paper from Women as Revolutionaries, which was a UCD Decade of Centenaries funded panel. The second paper in the panel was given by Dr. Liz Kite from University College Cork. The paper was entitled Radicalised Bodies, Irish Socialist Feminists and Anti-Militarism, 1913-1923. to The panel was chaired by Dr. Fenella Walsh from UCD.
1: Um, so our next speaker is Dr. Liz Kite, who recently completed a PhD in Women's Studies Um, titled Feminist Fusion, Irish Socialist Feminists, 1900s-1940s at University College Cork. Um, Having taken the UCC MA Women's Studies in 2005, she focused on the links between trade unions and the Irish women's movement for her dissertation. She has a BA in English and History from the University of Kent at Canterbury and a background as a development educator um, for international development agencies. Research interests include the history of Irish feminism, radical histories and feminist biography. She currently teaches on the UCC MA Women's Studies and UCC ACE Diploma in Women's Studies, and she's working on publishing her PhD thesis as a monograph. She's also a committee member of WHAI. Um, this morning, she's going to be talking to us um, on a paper titled Radicalized Bodies Irish Socialist Feminists and Anti Militarism 1913 to 1923.
2: Perfect. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, and thanks very much, Mary and Fununa, for organizing um, such an amazing conference. And I think the theme is just um it's so pertinent um, and so timely and really resonates um with contemporary events, I think, around violence, um, radicalism, and and gender. Um, and I was very much thinking about contemporary events and the relevance of um. The women that i'm going to discuss and their politics um and political activity today um so um really the the, the theme is very very well chosen um so my paper is radicalized bodies um irish socialist feminists and anti-militarism during the the revolutionary decade um and i suppose in preparing the paper, I was very much um I found it actually quite difficult to prepare the paper, quite emotional. Um, I think as, as a woman, um, the issue of violence um is something violence, gender-based violence is something that is an, an everyday part of our lives. And I think that had really been brought to the, the fore. Um, the issue around um the shocking uh, murder and abduction of Sarah Everard in um, in London. And um then the the protests um. Afterwards and the way the kind of police brutality um, um, towards um, women's protests there, um, which um, I think is is shocking that um, even in radical spaces, um, some of the groups, feminist radical feminist groups um, protesting there um, in Clapham. Um, such as Sisters Uncut, who who, um, protest against cuts um, to rape crisis and domestic violence services um, and take direct action um, um, to protect women's services. Um, I think it's really shocking that even when women attempt um, to um, organise autonomously to resist violence um, against women, male violence against women, um, women then can still end up um the victims um in the, in of of further um brutality and violence in that resistance um so um and and uh, back in november when i started thinking about this um paper it kind of really resonated again the contemporary um context um that we had the presidential elections in the us um and um the level of kind of anti radical anti-socialist abuse, um, misogyny, and racism that is leveled at um ocasio Cortez and her so-called squads of progressive progressive um democrats. Um and I just came across a headline recently where um uh, Cortez talks about how in the, the the insurrection in the in the capital how she felt like it was a further trauma because it really brought back memories of um, 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 that she was a sexual assault um, survivor. So I, I really, this um, contemporary um, examples really um, I think bring to the fore um, many of the questions that I want to explore in this paper today about the experiences of radical women and violence. So what the role of violence is in the experiences of Irish radical women. Um, what the link between the personal personal experiences of violence and and the political is um, for radical women um, and their resistance to violence in the form of anti-militarism. And how do we historicise, a broader question really about how do we historicise gender-based violence, a kind of relatively new form of language to describe um, women's experiences in, in terms of women's activity? How do we relate those two? Um, events. Um, so, um, looking at the the literature, um, um, I'm a building on on literature around radical women in Ireland. I'm, I'm very much building on the work of um, uh, Mary Cullen, and Maria Luddy's um, um, brilliant um, collected biography on um, female adi- radical activists for social change, um, where they talk discuss about how far to the left many of Irish um, feminist activists were and um, more recently Mary McAuliffe and Liz Gillis's um, uh, study of women revolutionaries involved in the um, rising and again they note um, how far um, to the left and how many um, intersecting social movements those women were involved in so I really want to kind of um, pick up on those themes and build a more detail, a a more fine-grained analysis of of those women's um, interactions and their their politics, particularly today um, on the theme of anti-militarism, which was um, very brilliantly um, introduced by Margaret Ward in her paper from 1991 on um, feminist internationalism um, and the tension between the so-called essentialist feminists or kind of pacifist feminists um, and anti-militarist um, Republicans. And I suppose um, my focus today is 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 more on those kind of, on the anti-militarist left-wing Republican um, women. Um, so I want to focus um, in terms of, of gender history on placing those women's um, uh, political activity in the wider Irish and international um, radical context. Um, Irish women, um, I think, haven't previously been... Um, in any detail considered in in this light. So um, I um, take the approach of looking at the process of um, um, women's political identification um, to highlight the complexities of Irish women's identification with radicalism and through anti-militarism this morning. And I think this process is influenced by um, intersecting positionalities such as class, um, sexuality, physicality, including disabilities. Um, and um of course in the context of today's talk um your positionality in terms of your national identity or your race your irishness um and internationalism um which um this morning's paper really in- interrogates um as well as your um life experiences and for women of course that's um highly gendered life experience is is one of violence um whether in the family or public and political um, spheres it's um, I would argue an inescapable facet of women's um, life experiences so I've very much um, used it, what I would call a life um, story approach um, and the sources that I um, focus on um, her foreground women's it's a feminist approach um, a biographical approach so foregrounding um, the women's Irish radical women's voices and their um, female experiences um, of violence so, um, I've taken a fine grained analysis of biographical items, mainly letters, um, diaries, um, political memorabilia, and inferior collected um, in personal papers of Irish radical women. And I've complemented that with um, particularly drawing on a new wave of biographies in um, Irish women's history, um, such as Lauren Arrington's um, brilliant old. Um, biography of um Markovich, um, um, Margaret Ward's recent um, biography of um Hannah Sheese Geffington, Leanne Lane on Rodham Jacob, um, Catherine Morris on um, Alice Milligan, and uh, Sonia Tinnen on um, Eva Gore Booth, um, to name a few. But I've extensively looked at hundreds of um, biographies of um Irish um um Irish um, radical women and political women to to inform um, this work. Um, so um there's some um on the slides here we have um sort of the co- the core group of women that I started um looking at and um who who could be considered um radical, who um um and evinced a kind of socialist politics and were very much either on the left of, of, of the feminist movement, involved in labor um and socialist and trade union politics, and were on the left of republicanism and for me- most of them, all three of those um um political um identities overlapped or intersected um at, at any one time so that i would see that they are really part of the wider radicalism um and i think that's important not just in terms of ireland but in internationally that they saw themselves in that way and this core group of women um through tracing um their contacts and their life stories um uh, wider uh, the circles widen i suppose um of of that group um, as as the research unfolded um so um all of these women have in common a commitment to a total transformation of society um rather than a kind of reformist uh, uh, approach um but that their journey as as radicals and as revolutionaries was a kind of a, a process it was a, a kind of fluid and dynamic process um in in relation to each other and and to the context um the historical context unfolding so um the life story approach i suppose um incorporates two um, um um themes really i suppose of um gender history which one um very much coming from my women's studies background which is um to focus on the intersectional um, um personal experiences informing um political identity um um and that's based on um very much from the work of uh, June Hannam and Karen Hunt's um, uh, um, work on um, British Socialist Feminists. Um, so um, today looking at what personal experiences of, of violence radicalized Irish women um, um, and which they were then able to recognize and articulate as a name which is very important I think as part of a collective experience of as women um, and then to form a gendered resistance and organisation organized um, against organized violence Um, and then to also take a gender relational perspective um, so to look at the relationships between this group of women how they interacted and that was um, I was able to do that by a fine grain analysis and mapping um, through their um, personal correspondence and, and diaries So their political friendships, um, very much um, in the way that Liz Stanley has used that approach um, to looking at the life of Emily Wyden-Davidson and and, um, Olive Schreiner. Um, um, So these kind of political friendships amongst um, radical women. um, And um, Sheila Rowbottom's approach to tracing um, intellectual trails um, between radicals um, so that we can see the kind of transnational um, bonds between um, uh, radical women um and lastly to look in a uh, kind of more historical sociological manner at um uh, feminist politics in in ireland um, such as linda connolly um has has pioneered um and to understand um irish feminism as, as irish feminisms that it's um it's diverse and it incorporates um, um left a, a, a strong left-wing current um which was intersecting with other social movements at the time Um, So that we don't see social movements in in isolation, but we see how they interact um, together through um, activists, through female activists, and they're the kind of interlocutors, if you like, um, between um, uh, labour, feminism and and republicanism. And I suppose the last element to to kind of gender relational um, perspective is to um, look at both the gender inclusive and exclusive context within radicalism, Irish radicalism and internationally, um, and particularly the anti-militarist activism, which shaped um, the experience of being a radical woman. Um, And violence, um, abuse, sexism, misogyny and harassment, both inside radicalism and outside of radicalism, shaped that experience. Um so um as part of my PhD work I, I, I mapped all of the um radical women, um, the core group of women here um in purple um and their links to the various um uh different radical groupings. Um so it's my kind of alternative gender map of Atlas of the Revolution. <laughs> um, um and um you can see there particularly um in the the uh, the colours have got changed. I think when I, f- I shared it here for some strange reason on um, um, but on the annotation here. But um, the kind of light orange colours there in the middle um, during the revolutionary period, we just have those three groups: um, the Women's International League, um, the Irish self determination um, League, which was kind of Sinn Féin in the, in in Britain, um, and the Women Prisoners' uh, Defence League. And those are the three um, main groups um that um radical women um gravitate um um towards in this period and that they're politically active in and there's a massive contraction in comparison to the pre-revolutionary um, period um, um and in the later um, um uh, interwar period in the 1920s, you can see the number of groups is, is contracted, um, which suggests that the, the um gender-inclusive space um within the revolutionary um, period itself were in, in a in a period of um extreme um organized violence, um, um suggests that the women had to be a lot more creative in finding um gender-inclusive spaces that they could organize. Um, within to balance those competing um, claims of political identity, of, of gender, class um, um, and, and nationality and, and race. Um, so that's just to give you um, an idea of the groups um, that I'll be discussing in relation to the women's political activism um, this morning. Um, so to look at the kind of gender relational perspective um in terms of um just to quickly outline the kind of intellectual influences um and trails um between um irish radicals um that influenced their anti-militarist politics and resistance to organized violence um in terms of irish radicalism the um, key influences on on irish um feminists were um the male socialists feminists, um James Connolly and Frances um Sheehy Skeffington um and they were um important allies um uh, for Irish um radical women. Um so um Connolly um for instance um advanced began to, by 1915 to kind of advance in, um an Irish version of anti-militarism um and in the work of in worker um paper of uh, January 1915 he said there's no such thing as a humane or civilized war um, citing the the socialist contention that all war is an atrocity. Um, um, He had also talked about how militarism um, undermines civil liberties um and thinking back to um the right to protest and, and women's right to, to resist um, in contemporary events, I think it's quite pertinent But he, he talks in 19, in 1909 about the consecration of the flying machine um to the cold task of holding in check the working class and making safe and profitable all sorts of attacks upon social and political rights. Um and after the onset of the First World War, Connolly was much more explicit that war on revolution as direct um, or re- war or revolution or um, as direct action um, may be necessary to free women or colonize um, populations or defend the working class. So um, in 1915, he talks about war may be forced upon a subject race or subject class to put it into subjection of race, class or sex. Um, so there's a kind of um, those multiple claims um, of political identity uh, being fused there by Connolly was a a specific reference um, to uh, inclusion of of women in that um, war on war, as he called it, uh, an active um, and direct resistance to um, violence um, used um, to subject um, uh, vulnerable groups, particularly um, um, non-combatants. So... um, and I, I suppose that kind of uh, tone is then picked, apart, picked up on by um, Irish radical women. Um, so in the Irish Citizen article, um, um, 19, August 1914, um, Hannah Sheehy Skeffington writes in duty of suffragettes that Irish women should demand a political voice because it was they who faced starvation at home for themselves and for their children in the context of, of the coming um, First World War. Um, and I I, I she Skeffington, although... Um, um more pacifist um I would say um than James Connolly um was still an important influence in the way in which um for his kind of his his direct action um and his um, what um Hannah Helena Maloney called it, it called him a fighting pacifist, an extreme pacifist. Um, so this idea that um you can oppose war but you can um I suppose a very strong anti-militarist um, um argument here that um that war war is wrong and violence is wrong, but it's okay to defend the weak for the weak to defend themselves. Um, and and I wasn't, Jacob also um discusses this in her diary in, a, in a discussions um with other feminists uh, around pacifism that it's it's unjustifiable um to to leave the weak undefended um in, in that manner. So I think those two um those two um Intellectual influences on the development of our Irish um, women's anti militarism and kind of revolutionary um, uh, approach uh, were important. Um, the other, uh, taking a gender relational um, perspective, the other important influence was um, transnationalism, particularly links um, with uh, British socialist feminists who often considered themselves Irish, they had Irish heritage. Um, or politically, um, were very um, um, supportive of Irish independence um, and against a British militarism in, in Ireland, um, and that goes back to Eleanor Marx, who visited um, um, Dublin um, in the late um, um, in, in the time of the Fenian Revolt, actually. Um, so we can see this kind of support from British socialist feminists quite quite early on in the in the late eighteen nineties. But, um I suppose most famously uh, it, it this kind of strong interlinkage um and anti-militarism um um and intellectual trails um and solidarity between British and Irish socialist feminists starts really in with the Dublin lockout of 1913 and um on the left there we have um there's a picture uh, uh, of uh, Dora Montefury um who um along with Grace Neal and Emmeline Pe- pethick Lawrence um who were all um socialist feminists and pacifists too or anti-militarists um who tried to organize a scheme to evacuate um children starving children of locked out um workers during the dublin knockout. um and um as a result there was um clerically um uh, directed and organized um mobs of violence trying to vent um children going to kind of heathen Protestant homes. But I think there's also an element of kind of anti um socialist anti-fear of um of of the trade union power as well um um there. So um and um Dora Montefiore um um was actually imprisoned um uh, arrested um for her role um um for suspicion of kidnapping kidnapping the children. So um uh, as a result of this, there was kind of strong links with the Irish um franch- Women's Franchise League. Um and on the right there we have a postcard um from um George Lansbury, who um, who um founded was a founder member of the Daily Herald, a big um a Labour paper that was supported um uh, locked out workers. And um in November 1913 in the Royal Albert Hall, there was a mass meeting to support locked out workers. Um, at which James Connolly and Frances E. F- Gaffington spoke, and it was organized by the British socialist feminists, um, Charlotte Despard and Sylvia Pankhurst. And this was a very significant moment um in relations between British and socialist um feminists, in that um, um there, there was a split within the British um social suffrage movement, um, Sylvia Pankhurst went off um, and wanted to focus on organising um, women workers in a militant manner, um, and her, sis- her sister and her mother um, disagreed. Um, and they also wanted to continue campaigning during First World One and to oppose um, uh, um, militarism. So um, after this point, um, we see um, Irish feminists involved in the... I- um, Irish Women's Franchise League in particular coalesce um, with the East London Federation of Suffragettes with Sylvia Pankhurst um, with um, Charlotte Despard's Women's Freedom League and with Ava Gourbeau's, um Lancashire and Cheshire Women's Textile and other workers representation committees So there's kind of coalescence there um, around the lockout and during um, 1914 Um, and the first world war to oppose militarism to continue the struggle for votes for women and to also broaden that into um which is a topic for another day to talk about um um, wider franchisement of adult suffrage um so um uh moving on (laughs) as i'm conscious we're gonna um run out of time um just that um this kind of alliance then drew um i suppose thinking along anti-militarist lines um and Pethek, Emily Pethick Lawrence in particular was very supportive of locked-out workers and of and came and talked several times um, to the IWFL in that context. Um, but invited, um, there was a, a meeting of suffrage um, societies um, in 1916 to which the IWFL was invited, and their speeches were then shared um, with Shee Skeffington and perfect lawrence um was developing a kind of an internationalist socialist feminist um anti-militarist um idea um during this conference and just to give what an idea of one quote um which he'd shared with um hannah she's geffington she says after the war um there would be a tremendous awakening of dr- democratic forces the element which desires coercion in the industrial field the strengthening of rights of privilege and property the extension of military systems would also be striving to attain um um a greater power the women would have to decide um which side they would take if the present leaders of the suffrage movement would do so they should link up the question of votes for women with the great people's charter of liberties which would be fought for after the war after the war the supreme issue would be liberty and democracy versus compulsion and autocracy the movement for liberty was led by men because they had already very large organizations could the women's movement be linked up with that um so um, and there we have um a um some correspondence from Patricia Lynch, um, who was Irish, um and um, worked for Sylvia Pankhurst's um uh, paper, um, um the The Workers Dreadnought. Um she was a journalist and um uh for the East London Federation of Suffragettes, and she corresponded with Hannah Shees about particular about setting up um a Irish branch of the um, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom in London um, and um, so um, Emily Lawrence and that neatly brings us um, on to 1916 um, which she um, produced the first known holographic account, Patricia Lynch of um, she was actually in she managed to stow herself over on a boat um, during the rising um, after the rising and with this produced the first uh, um, account smuggled out of Dublin of of the rising. Um, And and that was reported in the Workers' dreadnought. So these kind of um, links about um, naming um, violence and militarism um, and campaigning against it were were strongly forged between these um, British um, um, and Irish socialist feminist um, alliances. Um, So I suppose the next case I want to look at in terms of the development of... um, anti-militarism and the interlinkage and interweaving of um, um, personal and political um, experiences of violence amongst mar- radical women, I suppose, is the, um, um, the kind of very um, high-profile um, um, tragic case of um, um, Hannah Shee Schieff- um loss um, and the murder of her husband, Francis, um, who was um, trying to organise a kind of um, civilian... Um, um, um militia to um counter looting um and he was shot by a deranged army colonel. Um and um Hanashee Skevington then um tried to um hold the British military um authorities to account for his murder, which was a, a campaign which she didn't succeed in. But um Ava Gorbuve attempted to support her um in this and to also get her sister released from prison and um, part of that was she also wrote a holograph um, account of the rising on her visit there and she describes um what she found when she went to um to visit hannah Skeffington. She says both she and her husband were strong pacifists and possessed no weapons but the windows of the room in which we sat were still broken by the volley fired into it by soldiers when there was no one in the house but herself and a little boy of nine and I suppose that, that fear, the vulnerability of, of women and children um to British mili- um to the, the, the British brutality and force there, you know, also picks up on the kind of women's um fear of gender um based violence. I think it's kind of quite palpable in that um um account. Um so um on the basis of um of of these experiences and the failure of uh, her campaign, um, Hannah Shee Skeffington um, goes to the uh, to America in, in 1917 and does 250 lectures initially under the uh, basis of her topic um, British militarism as I have known it, um, um, and um, later um, she ch- under the pamphlet Impressions of Champagne in America she changes the emphasis to call for recognition of the Irish Republic as a small nation at the peace conference which would follow at the end of the war. Um, This pamphlet was not published um, until um, the end of of, of, of 1919 due to wartime censorship and because of um, her anti-militarist campaigning both in the US um, and her alliance with radicals um, who were against the draft and conscription. I just wanted to talk about really, I suppose, um, that that tour was very much done um, um, in in alignment with... um, the, the Wobblies, the Irish Workers of the World, um, and their anti um, conscription campaign, and she mainly talked um, in uh, with socialist groups. And then um, I wanted to just quickly pick up on um, uh, women's peace Cru- the women's peace crusade um, in um, in the UK um, with Charlotte Despard and Hannah Shee Skeffington, um, which was against conscription. Um, and also against militarism in Russia increasingly towards the end. Um, And then um, an alliance between um, uh, the Women's International League um, um, and um, the Irish Self-Determination League, which was Sinn Féin in in the UK, in Britain at this time, and um, um, during 1920. um, And a deputation of British socialist feminists um, actually visited Dublin Cork, um, and Belfast to look at um, um and take account of um, atrocities against um violence against gender-based violence against women um and children. And they did a big tour, um a massive tour of the UK. Um so together with Hannah Shee Skeffington and um leading socialist feminists and um in in Britain um and pacifists. So um so it was just to finish off there, really. <laughs> um, um, we obviously could have enough um, material for two talks here. Um, there's just some handbills from that. So I was just to say, I suppose, I think the continued um, um, the intransience of violence against women means that I feel um, the anti-militarist resistance of, against violence by radical women um, makes them still very relevant, I think, to... Um, to ongoing, like, how do we oppose violence against women to, to activists today? And that, that, you know, I think um, we need to understand more um, about these women's politics. Um, and I think it, it's really interesting to look at how um, the kind of, it interrogates what we um, think of as I, as Irish, the kind of Irish identity of, of radicalism and that their links were much more um, international and, um, and based on um, transnational solidarity with British feminists and American socialist feminists. So um, I hope that that's provided um, an insight into the, the complexity of identifying with mm-hmm. radicalism for women and mm-hmm. the gendered um, nature of violence um, in that experience.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from Besieged Bodies, Gendered Violence, Sexualities and Motherhood, the Women's History Association of Ireland's annual conference for 2020-2021. You can listen to podcasts of keynotes and many other papers from the conference on historyhub.ie.